1: While many of our guests are professionals, they aren't your professionals. If you need personalized advice, consult your people. Welcome to another episode of Barnyard Language. Katie, what's happening on the farm?
0: The guys got the rest of the planting done this week, early this week, and we're on our third day of rain, and then it's supposed to be 90 all weekend, so I'm guessing we'll see some, some growth. I already told Jim that I'm going to mow lawn on Sunday afternoon, listen to the NASCAR race, and drink my beer. So, you know, I like to just go ahead and block that right into the schedule so nobody can argue with me.
1: Those are all at the same time, right?
0: Yes. Yes. That's a, (laughs) that's a,
1: that's a combined event.
0: Yes. Yes. Do you drive Uh,
1: faster? Do you think?
0: I do only drive counterclockwise. So (laughs) take that how you will. Yes. I'm sure I drive faster. You know? So anyway. How are the kiddos? uh, good good the uh, the girl child got the stitches out of her face last week and the other day we were driving home in in the car and she said you know she's holding something up and she goes mommy my eye fell off and i yeah, was I- like the shit <laughs> like uh the scab had fallen off her forehead and she was showing <laughs> it to me her i was like no, yeah you can just like toss that out the window or something <laughs> i don't really need that there is 7 ducklings wandering around our yard. They're super fucking cute. And there's 4 Is liters that an of
1: intentional f- purchase?
0: No, the uh, the Muscovy ducks are completely feral at this point, but they do pretty well by themselves. They never come inside and they just do their
1: thing. The house or the barn or anywhere?
0: Anywhere. I mean, I think they go into the barn to eat the corn that the cows leave, but they're not like going in a coop or anything. They just live outside even in the snow i don't know what they do but they're still here in the spring so
1: i was just thinking you meant they're the only ones that don't come in the house
0: but don't I judge me arlene <laughs> yeah anything can um, happen. and it's memorial day weekend in the states so we have a three-day weekend we're going to take the kids to the national mississippi river museum and aquarium i think is the real name of it in dubuque they have uh fish and a touch (laughs) tank good yeah the the girl child was telling us about how much she loves touching stingrays like that's funny because you don't remember the last time we went and you wouldn't touch anything um (laughs) but she's pretty stoked about it yeah so yeah
1: how far of a drive is that going to be
0: it's about an hour and a half which around here is about what you're looking at for anything of that sort anything yeah, well, really, yes, anything. So, what's going on in your world, Arlene?
1: Well, yeah, planting's done on our end too, and hay has started. So, um, we were—they were calling for rain today, so they worked late into the night last night to get a bunch of hay in. We do a lot of our hay in wrapped bales for for baleage for the dairy cows. So, there's a pretty quick turnaround. It's not like it really has to to dry very much, so they can cut and bale and wrap all in quick succession. So that was, that was a big job yesterday. They got a, they were running bales in until about midnight last night. And then it didn't actually rain all that much today, but you know, getting it in and wrapped up and undercover is also good.
0: Our neighbors down the Hill did, I think, rylage for their cows this week and the boy child got to see the end of the wrapping. And he's got some real thoughts about what's going into that field next and what they're doing. Yes. Um, And I don't know, did you see the video that, throwing wrenches mending fences posted today of the the
1: Uh, manual bail wrapping yes yes i was (laughs) i was
0: trying not to say redneck way of doing it because it looks like (laughs) something our family would do for the folks who haven't seen it it was two kids pushing around bail with their feet while a guy drove around on the lawn tractor with plastic unspooling it actually looked like it was working pretty well so how have your kids been arlene
1: Yeah, they're good. I hadn't really thought about the fact that it's already near the end of May. And that means only a month of school left. And depending on the part of the country you live in, your kids are maybe already finishing up school. So yeah, a couple of people have asked, are the kids counting down? And I'm thinking, well, no, we've got like so much school left, but no, we've got like a month. So yeah, we're in the Probably they are starting to count down, I ju- I'm not. My eighth grader, so our elementary school is relatively small and they go from junior kindergarten, which is like you know the year they turn four, up until grade eight, all in the same school. So I have my 14 year old is gonna be graduating from elementary middle school, because it's all in one. So he and uh, my husband went and actually bought a graduation outfit the other day. So I wasn't sure what they were going to pick, but he went all in, got a jacket and shirt and tie and all the fancy stuff. So I'm excited to see it all together. I haven't, I uh, was allowed to peek in the bag, but I haven't seen it actually put on yet. So that'll be pretty fun. And he, uh, yeah, so his graduation's not till the end of the month, but he's also going to an aquarium. They get to go on a grade eight, field trip so they're taking them all the way to toronto just for the day so it's a lot of driving because we're about three and a half four hours to downtown toronto but they're going to go to the ripley's aquarium there and then to go see a blue jays game so it's pretty exciting for the little country mice to go into the city for the day and other than that yeah we had a big storm on the weekend which i think we referenced in the Episode that we're putting out this week. It wasn't actually in some place parts of the province. It turned into a tornado, but it, it was like a big downburst, like chain. What do they call it? A del Rico or something? Which I I don't even. It's, know. Uh, it's some kind of big show.
0: It's derecho. We've, we've had a couple go. of them in our well, okay. area recently. And I uh, have heard nasty. the term
1: before, but yeah. So it cro- kind of crossed a big chunk of Ontario. So. We actually didn't get all that much damage here, but in certain spots, like we're recording this update on Thursday. The storm was on Saturday and there are still some places that don't have power and may not have power for a couple more days. So yeah, it was it was pretty wild, but we only lost a few limbs and we were out of power for about two days. So we're, you know, grateful for our generator and to be able to still flush the toilet and turn on the lights and <laughs> cook food and keep all the beef in the freezer frozen so all those things were were good to have a generator for and had a few neighbors come over and get water for their houses and stuff but yeah we were lucky compared to a lot of people because i know there's a f- know of a few farms in different parts of the province who had some serious damage so been thinking about those people this week and you know it's also hard to get through this week and not think about the you know another school shooting <laughs> Right. I know as a, as a Canadian, I kind of get to be in that privileged position of feeling like it won't happen here. I mean, I suppose there are still things that happen in schools and it's not like we have no guns, but I suppose statistically our chances are a lot less, but just thinking about those little kids, it's hard stuff. Yeah.
0: I saw that we've had 200 mass shootings already this year and it's only May. And I know you and I had talked before we started recording this about whether he wanted to go there on gun control. And what I said is that I feel like the thing that we really miss in this conversation is the voice of gun owners who think that we need better gun control. You know, our, our family owns guns. They're a tool on the farm. We have family who hunt. We have folks who come to our property and hunt. I'm happy to let them do it. I also think that we need some serious gun control reform. Obviously, we need a lot of help with mental health, but taking away the thing that makes it easier for an attack to become a huge problem should be simpler to enact than magically fixing all of the mental health problems. And like in this latest one, the kid apparently had no history of mental health issues, no criminal background. So even a a background check wouldn't have stopped him purchasing it. And then it seems like the only answer is to just not have them. And to live in a state that was debating allowing hunting with semi-automatic rifles for deer hunting on the same day at the same time that the school shooting was happening is- For deer. For deer. Right. It's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. If you need a large magazine and the option to not reload to shoot deer, you should not be hunting. That's, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. And to live in a place where there is this much legislation to buy a car and drive it or really any of the other things that we require checks for. Yeah, I saw list? a post the
1: other day, someone was talking about the number of, of background checks and the hoops you have to jump through to, to adopt a pet from an animal shelter mm-hmm. is, is more stringent than what it takes to, to get a gun in some states. And that is just wild yeah to to think that 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 is the way things are
0: yeah well and i feel like another argument we hear is well but you can still kill people with a knife well yeah but if the the amount of effort it takes to kill 21 people with a knife versus what it takes to kill 21 people with a gun especially a semi-auto um it's a bullshit argument i'm just going to go ahead and say it that's bullshit there's you're making a false equivalency and you know it i mean obviously violence does still happen in countries with stricter gun control but there's a reason that nobody else in the world has mass shootings like we do in the states
1: yeah and almost almost it's
0: not even a hot take i'm just gonna go ahead and say it you know yeah Um, yeah. it's embarrassing
1: yeah i mean statistics don't lie right there's no other country in the world even those that have guns that have the the same level of of deaths and that you know that, that gun deaths are the leading cause of death of children in the US. So I mean yeah. you can't you can't even if it's not mass shootings you know there's the the accidental stuff and the you know like the 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 things that maybe don't make the news but just the fact that there is such a large quantity uh, and accessibility of, of firearms means that they're going to get I'm going to get used and yeah. people
0: are going to get hurt and killed yeah and it is i think especially for world dwellers, we see a lot of arguments from folks that say that we just shouldn't have any guns and you know on a livestock farm they are an important tool they i mean it is something we use and it is very important to our way of life but I'm disgusted by how frequently I see in the news that, you know, kid found the handgun unsecured, killed themselves, killed their parent, killed their sibling, Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, especially my kid could shoot themselves with a 22, you know, long rifle. It would take a lot of work. And with a single shot, bold action, the chance of them killing anyone is very low um you know they're probably more likely to be hurt by it falling on them than by being shot but when you're talking about handguns and larger capacities it makes me sick it really does there's no reason for it and to argue that it's what's in our constitution when you know damn well they had no idea what sort of weapons we were going to have almost 300 years later you know, what, 250 years later, it's bullshit. And yeah. that's, long story short. So. I think
1: even your dog agrees, Katie. Yeah,
0: even <laughs> Bailey is pro-gun control. <laughs> yeah. Or she's got a cat tree, and now she's <laughs> trying to convince him to come down.
1: That's right. Um, all right, on that light note, we're going to move on to our guest for this week.
0: All right. So... Folks, we're going to start a little differently today. Arlene was just telling us that they've been out of power for several days and she's out in the barn recording. Arlene, why do you have satellite internet in your barn?
1: Because we couldn't run cable internet to the barn because of the way things are positioned. We have cable in the house and we need internet for all the computer systems that run our milkers and feeders and all the other stuff that happens in the barn.
0: I was really hoping you were going to say that the cows needed it for their YouTube or something. Or would it be <laughs> no, MooTube, Arlene? I'm, I'm on fire today. I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready.
1: Monday, Monday Welcome, Monday.
0: Katrina. This is what we're normally like. <laughs> All, right. All right. Do you, All you want, want now to pause for a second, start. Katie? <laughs> sure. <laughs>
1: yeah. Today we're talking to Katrina Edge from Wisconsin, where she and her family run a cow-calf beef farm. Welcome to the podcast, Katrina. So, we start each of our interviews with the same question, and this is a way to introduce yourself to our listeners. We ask, What are you growing? And this can cover crops, livestock, families, businesses, and all manner of other things. So, Katrina, welcome, and what are you growing? I am growing. I have
2: a five year old daughter, and she is in 4K right now. And then we are currently calving. We are just about to wrap it up. We have about 10 head left, and we are planting corn as well. So it's been quite a busy spring around here. We raise herefords and beef shorthorns in southwest Wisconsin in the Driftless region. And we go from cow calf and we actually finish them out. So we raise them up and ship them to market.
0: And Katrina, how many head are you running?
2: We run approximately 125 beef cows. And then um, we obviously keep their offspring around until they're about 20 months old so right now we probably have about 250 head around
0: that's the issue with running livestock is that it depends so much on time of year as to how many you have yeah because we're
2: having and then we have the yearlings that we're going to bring in and
0: finish out so it's like
2: you have a lot right now and then it'll dwindle down and yeah, cats. we raise bulk having will start so.
0: Yep, we raise beef and lambs, so there's times of year that we have three times as many animals as we do at other times of year, and I get that. And yeah, you're pretty close to me then, too, if you're in the driftless region. We're in the, the far western side of the driftless region, I guess. And for folks who don't know, the driftless region is the part of the Midwest that did not get squashed by the glaciers, so we have. Hills and trees and things that a lot of the Midwest does not have. So for anyone who's not familiar with that. And Katrina, do you and your husband have other jobs that pay the bills better than farming tends to? We do. My
2: husband <laughs> works cultural mechanic at a local John Deere dealership. And then I work at the meat shop in Lancaster, Wisconsin, which is a farm to table meat retail business um, that is owned by an Angus producer in our area.
0: Very cool. (laughs) Yeah, I I hate saying off-farm jobs because a lot of farmers work from their farm, but doing things that are not farming specific to make the money.
1: So what is the the origin of the farm that you're on? Is it from one of your families or you guys first generation or or where did the the farm kind of originate and do you have any future goals for where you'd like to go with things on the on the farm side?
2: I the farm is generational on my side. My daughter is actually the sixth generation on this farm that goes back to my great-great-grandfather who immigrated directly from Germany. So yeah, my husband is actually a third-generational farmer as well. On his, He grew up in a different area of Wisconsin. Sure.
0: So you've been really open on social media about your struggles with infertility. And if you're willing to talk with us and our listeners about this topic, can you tell us a little about your journey so far?
2: Sure. Um, my husband and I have been married for almost 10 years and we started trying to conceive basically right away. And after a year or so we started like going through our regular doctor and things still weren't working out. So we transferred to a fertility clinic in Madison, which is about an hour and a half away actually. So we went through there and we did the IUIs and they still were not successful. So about Our third year of marriage, we moved on to IVF and we did one round and we were successful with our first transfer, and that is our five year old. And then we used our remaining embryos and transferred again and had a later first trimester miscarriage in the beginning of 2020. So, right before everything kind of shut down, we did that. And then we kind of, our clinic kind of not completely closed, but with COVID completely like shut down primarily except for current cycles. And we weren't sure we wanted to do it again. So, but after about a year, we're like, oh, we can maybe start thinking about doing IVF again. And IVF in the United States is extremely expensive and extremely hard to get even started in because you need referrals from system to system, so. We are currently doing our pre-IVF screening stuff, and I actually have a procedure today, this afternoon.
0: I can tell you my husband and I also did about four years of fertility treatments before we had our daughter, who is also five. We also went to a clinic that's about an hour and a half away, so I'm I'm failing you on a lot of this. For our non-fertility clinic folks, IUI is basically uh, AI for humans, so it just makes it a little easier to get things together where they need to be. And IVF is generally done with eggs that are harvested either from one of the parents or from a donor and then fertilized outside the body and then put back in, just so we've got a little more context for folks who have been fortunate enough to not find out about all of this. Yeah, can you give us a ballpark on what your IVF cycles are running? So for folks to get an idea of where you're at on that.
2: Yeah, so our IVF cycles, like our cycles run about $14,000 with medications, which are 5,000 and the pre-screening. My procedure today is gonna to cost me $1,000 out on of pocket and that's not including any of the blood work and such that I have to get done, which uh, my clinic quoted me at $800. So grand total, you're looking well over $20,000 by the time you get done. And that's approximately what my costs were with my daughter as well. We also did a frozen transfer with her. So,
0: Yeah. And for folks, there's no guarantee that, that will get you a baby. There's no guarantee that that will get you usable embryos. And yeah, it's you know, I think folks know it's expensive, but they have no idea how expensive you're talking about. And that even with good insurance, generally, there's no coverage for fertility.
1: I guess um, as someone, I'm going to jump in here as someone it. who hasn't had to to go through these procedures. Do either one of you want to talk a little bit about like the the steps that you're you're going through at different times? I don't want to get too personal, but I mean, in terms of like how many how many steps are there? Like, what, what different procedures are you having to, to go through, like up to the point of, of implantation? Or, I mean, maybe I'm not even using the right terms. You guys can tell me. All right. So
2: today I have an HS, I cannot say the scientific name for it, but it is it's an inner uterine scan basically where they take up, they take dye and they check your tubes and your uterus and make sure there's no abnormalities and then The pre-blood work is everything. It covers STDs and um, like I am a negative blood type and they'll check me and make sure that I haven't been sensitized. I do all of that kind of stuff. And though we have decent insurance, none of it is covered at all. For infertility, there are a few things that they can, like if I get pregnant, they'll start like skating that under pregnancy but if you don't, it's just all completely out of pocket. And with once you actually get to the IVF portion, it is a either daily or every other day drive back and forth to wherever you go. My clinic is up by Madison, so our appointments are generally at 8 a.m., usually we try to get the earliest appointment so we can get back and go to work in the after, you know, in the later morning, in the afternoon. So it's literally like two weeks of driving back and forth. And then they scan you every day. They take your blood every day you go. And then when they do retrieval, I do that under like a mild anesthesia. So you can't drive after that. So, That is like always a day where you have to take off work. And generally a few days after, because the last time I did it, I actually got 26 embryo, 26 eggs. So I was on the borderline of being almost too many. So they were worried about me like having overproduction basically. But by the time you got down to, after they would fertilized and to freezing, it actually only got down to four eggs. So that's kind of like the risk involved is yeah, they can collect em- eggs, but by the time you get to embryo and transfer, they can all, you know, arrest or you can get down to very few. So that's the risk, kind of a risk involved, and you don't know because you never know how you're going to react or how your body's going to react.
1: Yeah. So even if there are steps along the way that are medical in nature, because it's fertility related insurance doesn't cover any portion of any of those appointments.
2: Yes. Yeah. Basically, like, I mean, the I had my pre meeting with my OB and they put that under my yearly physical, but the rest of it
1: will not be covered. Sure. And that was probably the the cheapest of of any appointment you (laughs) had along the way
2: they're like, oh, you can come in for your yearly and pay your $35. But that was just to talk to my doctor and say, this is my plan. Can you help me? And I have a very, very good relationship with my general doctor. So she's very open and she was with us all along with my daughter as well. So she kind of knows like, okay, this is what she's going to be talking about. And this is what she knows. And I've done a decent amount of my own research where I know like I'm vitamin D deficient and I have some like sleep issues. So that can affect fertility as well. So try to mediate these while taking care of this. Yeah. That makes I sense.
0: know for myself too, one of the biggest shocks for doing fertility treatments in a rural area was when people say, Oh, well, you'll need these medications. And they don't mean trot down to your local small town clinic, you know, or down to your local pharmacy and they'll just bust them out of the cooler. Like I had the special order stuff from a specialty pharmacy in Los Angeles, I think. And then at least once things ended up in (coughs) La Crosse instead of at our house. So I had to like drive up there, you know, an hour and a half up there, walk in, pick up a box from FedEx, and walk back out and drive home and we're talking about a thousand two thousand dollars worth of medications and you open this box and it's like dry ice and all this shit and you had to sign for it it's like you know you think it's going to be a nuclear bomb or diamonds or something and it's like one vial and a syringe and you're just like cool you know i'm super glad it was this dramatic for
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I'm assuming that all of those things are time sensitive too, right? That you have to take them at a cer on a certain day or a certain part of the the, the, the yeah. cycle or or in in the steps. So so yeah, if you have to make a trip to go and pick that stuff up, then that that could compromise what you're what you're trying to do. Is that accurate for
0: the for the IUI at least? And we never did IVF, so I can't speak to that. But you have to. Trigger the egg release at a certain time. So this is where it gets super romantic is you generally <laughs> either have time dinner course, or you have to come back at a specific time, collect a sample from the male half of this process and then trigger the egg release so that everything meets at the right place at the right time. And I once had to trigger in the doctor's bathroom, like in the, the public restroom. You know, with somebody pounding on the door because I was in the handicap stall. It's a big fucking needle, and it goes like into your thigh muscle. And I'm like, I'm fine with injecting myself, but this is a big needle into the muscle, and somebody's pounding on the door. And I'm like, fuck you. You know, like I don't <laughs> want to be here. It's not like I'm in here doing drugs or something fun. Like, I do have a needle, but it's not leave that me <laughs> alone. <laughs> you know, like just chill out. Just go away. I. Yeah, I don't, Katrina, I don't know if you have any sense of uh, shame or personal boundaries left after doing fertility treatments, but anything I may have had left is gone after a couple of years of this shit.
2: Yeah. Oh, my infertility meds got kind of lost as well. One time
0: back when we were
2: doing our first IVF cycle, they said that they had an attempted delivery and I sat at home all day waiting for $5,000 worth of meds to come to my house. And I was like, no, they didn't try. Like nobody. Where I'm here, and so I called the pharmacy, and they're like, we ship them to your neighbor's address. And I was like, okay, but I need them tomorrow. And so they're like, we'll try to get a hold of the UPS driver. And I chat, and like, they're like, well, he's going to the local bar, and he'll be there in like ten minutes. I'm like, I will meet him at the bar. <laughs> So like we did a handoff in our local bar and supper club parking lot at like seven o'clock at night and I was like
1: thank you thank this you very much so that's your parking your parking lot drug deal <laughs> this is like
0: easily the most small town midwest thing I've ever heard like
2: yes uh, like well and I'm story is my favorite bar where like I always used to drink when I was younger with my husband like this is where this is where we got the meds to make my kid
0: (laughs) I think too a lot of the struggle for me honestly was just that you know you're spending what at least for us was a shit ton of money to jack up your hormones and do something that is supposed to be so easy and so like effortless and whoops it just happens And then like emotionally, at least for me, I was totally fucking out of control because they have just destroyed your hormonal balance and you're stressed beyond all belief. And so then when you do deal with shit, like having to chase down your UPS driver in a bar parking lot, you're probably like sobbing uncontrollably, possibly laughing hysterically at the same time. And it's just like, Wow, everyone thinks that I'm just a total disaster and nobody in their right mind would give me a child because right. look at me. Yeah. Like, I'm a hot mess. This is great.
2: Yes, basically, it's like, oh, like everyone you know is like, oh, yeah, like it was such a surprise. Like I had this big plan of telling my husband I was pregnant. And I was like, I had that three years ago. Now I'm like, throwing a pregnancy test at him being like do you see this (laughs) and he's like yeah sure it's like 5 a.m
0: for what it's worth when I finally got pregnant with our daughter I called my husband at work and I think he had a he actually also works at an ag dealership I think he actually had a customer in his office and I was like you know sobbing uncontrollably also laughing he couldn't understand anything I was saying I finally yelled I'm fucking pregnant And then I think dropped the phone. And, you know, he's just sitting there like, doesn't, can't understand any of what I'm saying, except I'm fucking pregnant. You know, I'm just like, this is really not quite what I pictured when I pictured like, you know, a cute announcement or something.
1: I know the answer is clear to this one, but you and your husband have started a GoFundMe. I'm assuming that's because this is really, really expensive. (laughs) So do you want to? tell people about your GoFundMe account and what uh, why you decided that that was one of the ways you wanted to to try and help pay for the procedures?
2: Actually like online support kind of I've made multiple friends online through basically I started as a private I had a private IVF account way back when we started trying for my daughter and my friends were I know they're like oh, have you thought about trying another one? I'm like, I can't afford it. And they're like, why don't you try doing a GoFundMe? And with COVID and stuff, we kind of put it off and we're like, and then my job before my current job, they're like, with COVID, they kind of like cut your hours and like switch things around. And I was like, well, I can't really do it now. So when I started my new job and I told my boss, like, this is my plan. And she's like, okay, we'll make it work. So yeah, it was more online friends and some friends I had in real life were like, "Well, why don't you try like doing a GoFundMe, just see if you can help?" Because trying to get a personal loan for something that's a maybe is extremely hard, especially when you're in a rural area where, I mean, yes, obviously people with infertility are here, but there aren't like events and like that kind of stuff that you see in bigger cities. Cause even my clinics like, Oh, like we have, you know, people doing like bowling leagues and like this kind of stuff and sponsorships. And I'm like, that doesn't work so much in my area. So we decided to start a GoFundMe a couple of weeks ago and it's doing really well. Actually all my procedure today and my blood work that I'm getting done next week. Has all been completely covered by my GoFundMe, so the link is in um, my Instagram bio, Wisconsin Beef Girl, and it's also attached on my TikTok as well, which is the same W I Beef Girl.
1: So, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll be sure to share it in the show notes and to our listeners as well.
0: To Katrina, one of the issues I had with, I mean, even the IUIs are really fucking expensive. Was that people say, well? you know, we took out a second mortgage or, you know, we just went to the bank or we put it on credit cards. And I'm like, just picturing going to our ag lender and being like, so, hey, on top of our operating loan, like, could I just have another $25,000 for a baby, which may or may not work, but like, you know, we can't take a second mortgage out on our farm. Like, we can't do that. Or folks that are saying, oh, we just drained our retirement accounts. Like, This is really, really scary stuff. And I don't think people really grasp what they're talking about. And especially if you have other expenses like a farm. And I'm wondering to what you have to say about the folks who are saying, well, if you just relax, you know, you'll get pregnant. And as someone who did have two kids unexpectedly with very, very minimal interventions after four years of fairly serious intervention i don't feel like i can really speak to it as much because it did work for us
1: but not because you were relaxed just to be just to clarify
0: right Katie? i'm sure it, it wasn't
1: that you were totally zen and that's <laughs> why you were able to you've continue. met me
0: arlene do you think i've ever been totally <laughs> zen come on no, um, i don't think so i think that being relaxed absolutely helps I think that saying that women are not getting pregnant because they're not relaxed is total bullshit. And yeah. it, you know, if we're not going to tell cancer patients that they just need to relax and then they'll magically get better, just fuck off with that. It's bullshit to just be like, well, I'm not going to say it's your fault, but I'm totally going to say it's your fault that if you could just chill out about the thousands and thousands of dollars in the painful medical expense it, procedures and the invasion of privacy, you know, if you could just, be zen about it maybe you know a little aromatherapy or something you'll totally get knocked up so we
2: like don't really have a fertility diagnosis we are considered unexplained so we're not really sure why we can't get pregnant but um i'll be honest relaxing doesn't work for us either we went on a european vacation we honeymooned in hawaii like we've, we've been relaxed at points in our lives but for some reason it just doesn't work there. Yes. There's a lot of advice about just relax or just go on a trip or just forget about it. And I mean, there've been times in our life where we haven't actively like tried anymore. Like we're just like, whatever, you know, we had our daughter, like let's see what happens for, you know, a couple years and nothing happened. And then COVID happened and again, like nothing happened. So we're like, okay, I guess if we want to do this and like I can see like IVF statistics and see, I'm not that old, but like see my age and be like, okay, well, eventually like chances of success do go down. And if I wait until my retirement gets big enough to cover it by itself or tell our tractor loan and all that stuff gets paid off well then will i be too old and will i regret not doing it now possibly so that's kind of where we are
0: i i wonder too what the process has been like for you because i'm sure you've also gotten a well, just have an only child, or my personal favorite, we'll just adopt. Like, adoption is also not free, guys. But there's nobody just like handing babies out, you know, down on the corner, which is good because that would be weird. But you know, I'm I'm wondering what your experience has been like with that, Katrina.
2: Um, we've gotten that a lot, but since I've been more open with our journey, us, they're like, it's okay to want another one, mm-hmm. I'm like. My husband and I, we both grew up with siblings, so we would prefer our daughter to have a sibling. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, but she also is at the age where mommy I want somebody to play with. I want to, like, we'll go to birthday parties and she'll be like, well, why do they have one? I don't. Can't you just try or mommy? My cow, Eleanor had a baby. Why don't you just have a baby? And so but yeah, it's not we've tried the relaxing and we've tried the vacations or the drunk nights and those don't seem
0: to work either. So that's for me, that was a lot of I I tried to turn it into entertainment about the whole thing was, you know, asking our fertility clinic if they could like put in a margarita machine and like Some low lights Because I'm like, everyone we know got hammered at a wedding reception, stopped in some field drive on the way home, and conceived a child. I kid you not. We know several of them. Everyone you know, Katie. There were children conceived on the way home from my wedding reception, Arlene. (laughs) If I have to know about that, I should also be able to just get drunk and get knocked up like a normal person. No, no, I'm not naming names, but you know who you are anyway. It sorts out the staff at the fertility clinic real fast. If you ask them for a margarita, the ones who will laugh and offer to go get you one are the ones you want around. The ones who will just glare at you because you're not taking it seriously. Like, no, trust me, I took it seriously and that did not help me relax, which is what you're all telling me to do. So fuck (laughs) it. I want a drink. Like, I'm going there. Sorry, I'm making Arlene cry again.
1: Laugh cry this time.
0: There you go. So Katrina, one of our real intentions in starting the podcast has been to connect with other farm parents about shit like this. So what has surprised you the most about becoming a mother?
2: Oh, boy. Everything is different than I guess like you would ever think it would be. When you're an infertile person, you do all this research into what pregnancy is like, what having babies is like, what raising kids is like. And I'll be honest, it's not really like any of that. When I was pregnant, I had subchorionic hematoma, so I actually spotted a lot. I didn't farm at all for basically the majority of my pregnancy because of the risk of preterm labor, which I actually ended up carrying her until 41 and a half weeks. So that was kind of in and of itself ridiculous but I struggled with a lot of anxiety when I was pregnant up until the point that she was like six months old but it's a lot of joy too watching her grow and learn and actually I'm watching her out the window and she's helping daddy fix a tractor and it's a lot of fun and watching her like watch animals grow and be born and explore nature and do all of her fun things has made parenting extremely enjoyable.
0: So what do you enjoy the most about this age that your daughter is right now?
2: She is like I said she's five years old so my favorite thing is like she loves school and I love when she comes home and she's like trying to read and like doing her sight words and it's so enjoyable, and she's got her bottle calf, and she's trying to halt to break it like mommy does the big calves. And I honestly like the toddler years are kind of rough, but like once she hit like four or five years old, it's like she's her own little person, and just watching her personality just blossom, and she's become so outgoing, and she makes friends everywhere, which she doesn't get from me because I am. Very like introverted and not overly social. And it's just so much fun just watching her enjoy life and be her own person.
0: It's so funny, too, because we also have a five year old daughter, so we're like right in that same stage watching the things that they're learning at school and how that processes through their little brains like, The other night she woke up from a dead sleep to tell me that one of her classmates was a bully because they were arguing about which letters were in her name. And he said that there's not an L in her name and there is. And she was just irate about this. And I said something to their preschool teacher the next day and she's like, they've been fighting over whose letters or whose the whole class has been fighting for weeks (laughs) over what letters belong to which kids. And I was just like, the little kids are so fucking weird and they're so much fun, but they're so weird, you know, and it's just unreal how strange they can be.
2: Yes. Like she has end of the school year picnic and she's convinced, like I, they told her about it like two weeks ago and she's convinced every day that she goes to school that her picnic is today. And I was like, no, it's not. It's next week. Um, it is today. I'm like, I hope I didn't mess this up, but I'm pretty sure the note on the wall says like it's next week. And then like, we started putting it together and she's like, I'm like, well, what do you want in it? Candy and anything else? No, just candy. I'm like, that that's not a choice. I had a very specific note that said no candy and no pop. <laughs>
0: Those teachers are on it. Is she super stoked about going to kindergarten too?
2: She is. She wants. She likes to go to school so much. She really. Our 4K does alternate um, blocks, so she goes Tuesdays and Thursdays only. And she's like, I want to go to school every day. And um, we've been my parents have been picking her up from 4K, so she wants to ride the bus because they're like oh when they're starting 4k and she'd have to ride the whole route like they worry about like bathroom issues and you know like being able to hold it and that kind of stuff so she's like I just want to ride the bus and I want to go to school all day I was like I never rode the bus that long when I was
0: little so okay uh, we had a preschool graduation on Friday and this morning she woke up she's like is it kindergarten yet like (laughs) no like there's a whole summer in the middle, and she's just whatever. We'll just keep having this argument. That's yes. fine.
1: There's yes. something about I know in our school system you do like the little kindergarten visits in the spring, and then they don't start school until September. So it's so unfair to these little people because you're like, this is what kindergarten's going to be like in five months. <laughs> like you, you can't actually go here. We're just showing you what it's about. Yeah, because she's like, oh,
2: like when do i go to school i'm like well not till after your birthday and not till after like county fair but that's so far away i'm like like in reality i'm like summer's only like two and a half three months long so it's gonna go fast in my opinion
1: but not fast enough for her yeah if if every day is the picnic then kindergarten is way too far away So one of the things that we talk about a lot on the podcast is both, you know, the things that we love about raising kids on the farm, but also some of the challenges. So do you have any particular challenges that you find with raising a little one on the farm?
2: Sometimes farming is inherently dangerous and we do run beef cattle. We run herd bulls. We do not do AI. We obviously vaccinate and calves and like, she loves to help, but sometimes telling her not to help or like just sit here and stay here is sometimes hard. She's getting better and she's more easily distracted now. Like give her a tablet, give her the phone and we'll go do this. And she will still be there when we come back. But like that, I think it's one of the biggest challenges. Challenges like I see in farm life and our um, local extension is really great once she gets in first grade I think it is they offer overall safety day where they go over all sorts of farm safety. And I'm extremely glad they have that I um, helped run it actually when I was in college for my internship so i've kind of implemented some of the stuff that I learned through that and like child training as far as farm safety into my own parenting skills. But sometimes it is extremely challenging because she'll want to go ride with daddy in his open cab little tractor. And we're like, you can't do
1: that. Yeah, for you sure.
2: Have and the same with boring old mom.
1: Yeah, and especially when they're young and enthusiastic and want to be involved, but you know what the risks are, right? And sometimes kids can get really overconfident and think, well, I can handle it. You know, if mom and dad are walking out in, in that field of beef cows, I can too. But I mean, like, yeah, a little person can get knocked down and, and trampled <laughs> really quickly. So yeah, they don't, they definitely don't see the dangers that we do. You talked a little bit already about your anxiety postpartum. Is that something that you're willing to talk about today? I know that that's something that, like I had always heard about postpartum depression and it seemed like that's talked about all the time, but postpartum anxiety seems to be one of those things that, that really doesn't get addressed nearly as much. And I think it, it's, it does affect a lot of people.
2: Yes. So my anxiety started more like going through infertility is an anxious process. Mm -hmm. And I had dealt with some PTSD and anxiety from like things I'd gone through when I was younger. So my pregnancy with my spotting and my like threatened miscarriage and stuff with with my daughter had kind of been like a catalyst. And so I actually wound up going to therapy when I was pregnant with her. Therapy is also extremely expensive in the United States, which I did not quite realize so much when I was attending therapy until I got the bills. But so I, but I continued to go to therapy until shortly after she was born. And it's just hard. I ended up getting like one of those baby sleep monitors that she slept on. Like Check her breathing, and so I wasn't just staying up staring at her, making sure she was. There's a lot of like stress that with new parents, with like you know getting them back up to birth weight, and I breastfed her until she was a year and a half old, and like making sure she was maintaining weight and pumping at work. And I went back to work when she was 12 weeks old, and it's just a lot of anxiety and stress about. Sending your little bitty baby to daycare and like the stress of the unknown, basically, is a lot of my anxiety when I was pregnant with the stress of loss and then the stress of what's my baby doing all day. And I mean, I extremely love our daycare provider when she was a newborn. She's actually one of my cousins, but sending my kid to daycare at such a young age was definitely anxiety inducing, at least for me.
0: Katrina, too, did you find that your anxiety really sort of fixated on one thing? Because I know I also dealt with postpartum anxiety and depression. And for me, I found that it really like fixated on a very few, but mostly one thing that might happen. And it just became consuming. And, you know, to the point that I just, I mean, I'm doing therapy, but I went straight to medication because there was no, I mean, I logically, I knew it was never going to happen, but there was no getting around it. And mine was that, you know, we live in an old farmhouse and the railing around the staircase upstairs is fairly low, but it does exist. And I was so afraid that either I would fall over the railing holding the baby or that I would drop the baby over the railing. And, you know, my husband would say, well, how many generations have lived in this house and no one's fallen over the railing? And I'm like, I, like, I know it's not going to happen, but that doesn't do anything about the anxiety. Like, you know, you can totally logically know it's not going to happen, but it's like the just relax thing, you know, it, the logical part of your brain is not part of this process at all.
2: Yes, I would say that. Like my anxiety when I was pregnant, there was extremely like high like flu rates that correlated with miscarriage when I was pregnant with my daughter, and we had a massive like flu outbreak at my job that I had back then, and I was like inconsolable. Like I was like, I'm gonna get the flu and I'm gonna lose this baby that I worked so hard for that I spent these years waiting for, and like. And that was also like during that like 12 to like 20 week of pregnancy. So it's like, okay, I got past the first trimester and like I watched the, you know, miscarriage risk go down and I got my like NT results and everything's great, everything's fine, but I couldn't feel her moving yet. So it's like kind of like this blank state of, kind of terror and then I had a doppler at home um so I used that probably a little bit too much and like I would like fixate on like hearing her heartbeat every day before I went to bed and then after she was born how did I fixate on that I think it was more of like just the SIDS and like the sudden infant death and I did not like until like I want to say we got that angel care monitor when she was like two or three weeks old, but I don't think I hardly slept more than like an hour at a time. I mean, not even including like I had a newborn baby that had to eat and whatever. It was just like, is she breathing? Like, is she okay? And my husband's like, I have to go back to work. I can't like he's like, I want you to at least sleep sometimes. So and then like I'd say, like, as she got older, you know, could like sit up on her own and roll over and do all the milestone type things then my anxiety kind of subsided. I'm like, no, she's not going to like roll into the side of her crib and not be able to move. And Like things that I'd also seen in my infertility forms are great, but they're also kind of skewed towards more loss than like the standard population because a lot of people end up there because they had neonatal loss. They had babies that died when they were you know a year old or younger and they're trying again so like I would see like stories like that and I would fixate on them so much that I'd stress out about things that probably weren't going to happen in reality but I saw them actively happening to other people
0: yeah I think one of the best things for me too was that one of my best friends who I also met in a trying to conceive forum has her oldest child is I want to say a year and a half older than our oldest and she also dealt with a lot of postpartum anxiety and depression and so she was really able to help me identify that I was having a problem with it and to sort of boot me into the doctor's office because you do get just so wrapped up in it and it's it's hard to get out of you know it's yeah
2: yeah and like I said, like, my doctor, like, I saw her before, and I still see her currently, like, she's very, like, she's like, are you sleeping? Like, are you, like, once you got, once you did this step, and once you saw your therapist, are you okay now? And I'm like, yes, I think so. (laughs) I mean, I'm a new parent. Will I ever be okay? Probably not. But, like, I, I can handle life, and I can think about, like, okay, I can take my baby outside, and not, stress about it I can take her to the fair and not worry like that she's gonna get sick or you know like germs or whatever like that kind of stuff I can be like okay it's okay like we can go out and we can put her in the baby carrier and we can go check cows we can start living our life because when I was pregnant it was very much like semi-bed rest I mean I'd go to work but I couldn't lift you know, more than 20 pounds. I'd go out to the farm, but I couldn't even technically open, you know, besides a push gate, I couldn't even open a gate. Like I felt like, okay, now I can breathe. Now I'm in my post c section recovery and I can like start doing things again.
0: So. So Katrina, the other one that I really did not expect with fertility treatments is what an expectation there is that now that you've gotten your miracle, that you will just be like 700% grateful and like hashtag blessed at all times. And how damaging that was that like, I've been puking all day, but if I'm mad that I've been puking all day, it's because I don't really want this baby. And if something goes wrong, it'll be because the baby knew that I didn't want it badly enough, that there's this like whole subtext of, if something happens or like, once the kid's born and is, you know, a toddler in a holy fucking terror, at least, you know, my children, that anytime <laughs> that you're like, you can never be angry because this baby is your miracle baby and you have to appreciate that at all times. And I'm like, I, I do appreciate that we got our miracles, but they're still fucking monsters. Like, they didn't apparently get the memo that they were supposed to be perfect angel children at all times. So, you know, I really want to be having this conversation about the fact that you can be grateful and think that your children are the most miraculous thing that's ever happened and still be frustrated with the ridiculous shit that they do because they're still ridiculous i mean it's nothing's going to change that
2: once they're born they're just like every other child and like i mean yes like we do like infertility events and we like talk like I'm fairly open with like what's going on in my life and since starting my GoFundMe, I mean like more people in the community like have come up and talked to me about even their own struggles but one lady's like my kids are my kids are still shits and I was like yeah, I feel you. yeah like I did all it's like she's like I did all this work and I'm like I feel like my kids should be perfect and I was like yep
0: Yeah, they did not get the memo about. (laughs) And like, like,
2: (laughs) I feel like as an IVF parent or like an infertility parent, like I gave her more, a little bit more, like leeway because I'm like, "You're my miracle. I've waited so long," and I'm like, "I have regrets." (laughs) Like, I'm like, but I'm like, she's happy and she's healthy and she's extremely outgoing and, like, I'm like. And I'll be like, yep. And I'm your mom. And I'll just like put myself up in my sweatshirt and be like back here at school, drop off, be
1: like, let's go. <laughs>
0: so I'm going home. <laughs> I think it it's helped me some also as an introvert to have kids who are a total extroverts and be that somehow in the whole process of like The thing I did not anticipate about fertility treatments is how many people are in the room at all times. I mean, it's like IUI was just like a crew with, you know, with headlamps, like up in your business. And at that point, like, it's hard to be embarrassed about anything at that point. And after five years with these children and five years trying to have these little maniacs, like it takes a lot to embarrass me at this point, because I'm just like, whatever, you know, this is what you see is what you're getting. And if you don't like it, that's fine, but don't tell me about it because I know, I know what a mess it is, but we're having fun and we love our kids and they're healthy and they're happy and hopefully they're not god-awful people. So yeah, I'm doing what I can, you know.
2: Yes. And like, I mean, according to school, she's like the perfect child and she's oh my so, god, like, what's so is well behaved her cards and I'm like good I'm like eh. I'm like I'm glad she listens to people <laughs> who aren't me but but yes I'm like I I'm very glad that she's happy and healthy and like the stress I had when she was itty bitty and before she was even born has kind of dissipated now I mean there's new stress when they're getting older and they're in school all the time and Like, mommy, I don't like so-and-so. We had a fight. I was like, was it a real fight or was it like kids just not getting along? Because I need to know how to gauge this
0: conversation. But yeah, I hear the same thing from our teachers that our kids, you know, your kids are so sweet and they're so, they listen so well. And I'm like, do you know which kids are mine? Anyway. We ask all of our guests, if you were going to dominate a category at the county fair, what would it be? And Categories can be real or made up to ensure your your domination.
2: Hmm. Photography.
0: Oh, I like so it.
2: My, I've actually um, entered pictures in our local county fair, which I never did photography as a junior, or I guess I did. I was in 4-H, but I like I never did it. I don't even think I entered photos in the county fair, but as an adult, I've done it and um, I've done pretty well, but I haven't won the the big ribbon yet. I just get the little plastic stickers that are like, good job, second place. But like, I want to win the like overall adult open photography
1: contest eventually. It's a work in progress. I'm sure it's coming. So I think we'll move into our cussing and discussing segment. We have registered for an online platform called SpeakPipe, where you can leave your cussing and discussing entries for us and we'll play them on the show. So go to www.speakpipe.com backslash barnyard language and leave us a voice memo, or you can always send us an email at barnyardlanguage at gmail.com and we can read it out for you. Hello, this is Kevin
2: Dietzel from Hamilton County, Iowa, and today I want to discuss how much I love May so I'm a grass dairy farmer and in this time of year it's just so easy to feel like you're doing a good job at managing a grass because everything just is so
0: green and vegetative and lush and looks great and the cows are producing crazy amounts of milk and It's a good time to feel like you're a good grass manager. I might feel differently in August or September. Have a good day. Bye. So Katie, what have you got to cuss and discuss this week? Children's feet, Arlene. Children's shoes. Everything regarding any part of my children from the knees down. They're, you know, they're farm kids, so their feet are always disgusting. They apparently are just outgrowing shoes at the rate of like a pair a week at this point. I don't even know. And we have a puppy. So all of our shoes have little holes in them and my children keep growing and shoes are stupidly expensive. And yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Children's feet. What a mess. Katrina, what do you have to cuss and discuss this week?
2: The weather over it. it was probably about freezing last night and I'm trying to keep my mother's day flowering plant alive and I'm tired of bringing it in and it's not the greatest cattle weather either it's about what was it a week ago it was almost 100 degrees and then last night it was 35 so yes I'm completely over the weather I just want a nice, like, standard spring, and I don't feel like we're gonna get it because it's basically June.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're in the same spot. It's like 53 degrees out today. It's the end of May. This is ridiculous. It was apparently 90 something week before last. So, yeah, I'm bullshit. Arlene, what do you have to custom discuss?
1: So, it's twofold. I'm gonna say we're very grateful to have a generator because as I, we were discussing before we actually started the interview, we had a big storm across a lot of Ontario over the weekend. And so we're recording on Monday and we lost power Saturday afternoon and predicted to maybe get power back by midnight tonight, possibly. And I know there's areas that are hit way worse than us. We only lost a few branches. No big deal. Like there were, there were farms that were actually completely destroyed in areas where the, the wind was really bad. They think possibly there were some tornadoes touched down in some spots, but I'm just going to cuss the fact that we're using a ton of diesel to run the generator, which is, you know, great. We can run the house and the barn on the same PTO driven generator, which is fabulous. So we, you know, have things like water and I can cook food and stuff like other people can't right now, but diesel's not cheap this year. And we're probably going to spend a lot of money that, you know, maybe a couple months worth of electricity just in diesel for these few days. So hopefully the power comes back on soon, but we really can't leave it off because the cows need water. And that's the the main thing and make sure that all the feeding equipment continues to work. So there really isn't a time of day where we can even shut it down because we want to make sure everybody is safe and healthy in the barn. So it is what it is. But yeah, we would love to get the power back
0: on. Well, I hope it comes back on soon for you. Yes, kids. hopefully it does. It is, it is. a unique feeling to listen to that generator run. And it's like, you can just watch the dollar bills flying out into the sky as it goes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah.
1: So thank Katrina. <laughs> we want to thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. We really appreciate your openness and vulnerability. And we know that sharing isn't always easy, but that your words are going to help someone else. So if people want to follow you and support the GoFundMe, you want, remind us again where we can find you online. Yes, you can
2: find me at Wisconsin Beef Girl on Instagram, and I have the link to my bio there. I am also at WI Beef Girl on TikTok, and it's also linked
1: there as well. So that's where you can find me online. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: Anyway, thank you everyone for joining us here today on Barnyard Language, a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Barnyard Language, and Twitter, we are Barnyard Pod. If you would like to connect with other farm families, you can join our private Barnyard Language Facebook group.
1: Patreon is a service where you commit to making a small monthly donation which goes towards the making of this podcast. We would love it if you became a patron. Go to patreon.com backslash Barnyard Language to support the show. Another way to support us is to rate and review the podcast on Apple or Spotify or your favorite podcasting platform, and please follow the show so you never miss an episode. We're always in search of future guests for the podcast. If you or someone you know would like to chat with us, please get in touch.